You know, guys, and we're starting this, this thing. We started last week in, this, in the story, and we started talking about a little bit about creation, right? And I want to encourage us to be, be thinking, man, we need to be, you know, as a family, as a church family, start going through this, this book. And it's the, it's the excerpts from the Bible written in chronological order. And some people are like, hey, you guys are not doing the Bible. No, 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 we do. We want to, in fact, the, the Bible is the word of God without a doubt, no question at all. I don't want to jack with it in, in, in absolutely any way. And so we, we want to point people toward the, toward the scriptures and help them understand the scriptures more and more. And if you went through the through the, going through the, what we call the story, which is excerpts of the Bible written in chronological order, and it's got things weaved into it that, uh, like, uh, like we talked about with, uh, you know, the book of, um, like, in, in, when you're talking about David, and he had the, uh, the affair with, Bathsheba, uh, sorry, oh, I'm losing my mind here, so sunburnt from yesterday, and all this kind of stuff, and after the, he repented from that, he wrote Psalm 51, and that's all written in that kind of order, so if you haven't gotten that book, man, get that, and we, I think we only had like two left, so we had to get another box, so get those, uh, check those out, man, so, and start reading those on your own, uh, before the services on Sunday, then come hear the messages on Sunday morning. And if you have like malaria or something or sunburn from the frontier days uh, and you can't make it to church or it's Father's Day and all the fathers that didn't show up, man, they can, they can listen to the, uh, to the message of podcast on Monday morning. So we're committing to having that done on Monday morning. So if you, now if you haven't started coming yet, get into the story group that we have on Monday night. And that will help us go more in-depth about what we're talking about on Sunday mornings and kind of talk about that um, a little bit more in-depth on, on Mondays. And guys, I'm telling you, there was something special happened last Monday. I don't know if you guys heard about this, but Monday night we're talking about creation. It ends with the, you know, the promise that God, taught, God gave, through, and he said as a symbol, I'm going to give you this rainbow. Literally, we walk out and there's this huge rainbow out there. You know, we're like, whoa, man. So everybody's like, twi- you know, twit twittering and stuff like that it was, it was pretty cool yeah thank you <laughs> who did that that's awesome I, like I need to i need to use you whoever you are some oh i'm sorry i have a twit i gotta go um we also want you to discuss it once a week with your family at least once a week with your family what's it going on what did the what, what was the message what, what what hit you about the message this week what hit you out of the out of the scriptures this week that really um really stood out and then we want you to share this new understanding that you have about God with other people. See, there's this thing that we need to understand about the scriptures. The scriptures, a lot of times people will say, the scriptures are about me and my relationship with God, right? And, and it's not. The scriptures are about God. <laughs> the scripture, if you want to call him a character, which I yeah, kind of cringe when somebody calls anybody in the scriptures a character only because you never hear the character of Abraham Lincoln from the Civil War or you, the character George Washington from the Revolutionary War or anything like that or founding of the country or anything like that. These are actual events of history that, that have happened. But it is God who is the main quote-unquote character of the scriptures. And there are central themes that run throughout scriptures like he wants us to be fruitful. He wants us to multiply who we are. He wants us to go and tell. He wants to go and make disciples. He wants us to do all those things. He's, God loves the lowly. God loves and all these kind of wild things that you'll see. And it's all about Jesus, right? From beginning in Genesis to the end in Revelation, it's all about Jesus all the way through it. Amen? And God has been pursuing us from the very beginning. And guys, we're never going to fully understand God's 
plan. He's got this upper plan, right? That, and, and, and we're going to talk about Abraham today because if you read the, the story in chapter 2, we're talking about going from Abraham to Isaac and Jacob and Joseph, a little bit into Joseph and, uh, you know, kind of introduces us to, to him and we'll be talking about Joseph a little bit next week. But, but we're going to just concentrate on Abraham because it's Father's Day, right? And we're going to talk, and this, Abraham is kind of like the, the father of many nations. Father Abraham, right? Some of you little kids sing that. Oh, go ahead and sing it. That's all right. We'll keep having some music. It's good, man. Y'all will never get it out of your hands. Oh, man, he had to do that. He had to go there. But God has been pursuing us from the very beginning. He's got this upper plan, right? And we've got this lower plan that we're living in. This is in this, like we're here on earth. We don't fully understand his plan. Have you ever seen one of those needlepoint guys, fellas, right? Happy Father's Day, needlepoint, right? guy's like, no, I've never seen one in my whole life. But if you ever look at a needlepoint, man, if you look at the back of it, man, it looks all jacked up. Nobody knows what the heck is that, right? Flip it over. You go, oh, okay, right on, right on. That's, got, that's kind of a, a kind of an example of God's upper plan. We don't fully understand what's going on with God's upper plan. But he, we're in his lower plan. We're living our life day to day. day. We're, so he's got this other thing. That's why we need to get into the scriptures and understand him the best that we possibly can. God is always pursuing his people. God is a provider, and God keeps his promises. Amen? See, our lower story, what we need to understand, what we can learn some things from, God, from, from Abraham's lower story. And the main thing that I want to question today is do we trust him? I want to ask you again, do we really, really trust him? I'm going to ask you to answer. A lot of times I love answers to questions, but I want you to be thinking, but do I really trust God? With everything I've got, man, it's because if, he, if he's really my, my, my true, perfect, wonderful father that has been pursu- pr- pursuing me and providing for me and keeping promises to me and loving me and saving my sorry behind, right? Then do I really trust him with everything that I had? So let's get into the message. Last week we learned God's from, from the very beginning. He, de- he desired a, a relationship with us. Remember we talked about the triune nature. People were like walking out going, man, that blew my mind, man. I never thought about it. You know, the, the whole God of trying, you know, that, 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 that's what Satan's like attacking. And we're so focused on issues sometimes and focused on marriage and focused on these kinds of things. And, and, and yet we're not pointing people to God. We're just pointing people that this is wrong, right? And so it kind of blew, blew our minds a little bit that, that yeah, man, we got to be pointing people to God and helping people understand who God is. And so and that from the very beginning, he desired that relationship with us. And that's what we're trying to help other people do. And so let's look into the story, page 11 and 12. It's kind of the, the transition commentary, if you will. It says, the earth recovered from this great flood. Animal and plant life flourished. Noah's family re- repopulated the earth. The cycle of life continued. And people remembered God. Businesses grew and homesteads and farms developed and trade routes brought wealth and opportunity for travel. It was time for God's next move. Time to build a nation in a land that would become the cultural and ethnic home too, well, that part of the story is yet to come. Abram, whose name God later changed to Abraham, had all the wrong qualifications for being a founder of God's nation. His relatives worshipped other gods in a country far from what would become the promised land. Abram and his wife Sarai, I don't know how to pronounce that, I'm assuming that's who it was, who God changed to Sarah, were way beyond childbearing years. And Sarai, if that's correct, couldn't get pregnant. No children meant no people to populate God's nation. No problem. God promised the impossible 
to Abraham. To Abram. And Abram watched as the impossible occurred. Here's how it happened. Genesis 12, starting in verse 1 through 5. Abram's an old guy. And if I use Abraham and Abram interchangeably, please forgive me, I'm really not that smart. Genesis 12, 1 through 5, the story page 13. The Lord said to, to Abram, go from your country, your people and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will, what? Bless you. Circle the word bless in your bulletin or in your Bible, or in your storybook, whatever you want to do. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those. I, I right, will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you, I will curse and all the peoples on the earth will be blessed through you. So Abram went. As the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him, Abram was how old? Golly. Been living in this whole place his whole life. He knew where to go to the store. He knew where to get eggs. He knew where to get cigars, right? He knew where to go. This is what he's comfortable with. He's comfortable in his skin. He's comfortable where he's at. His family's there. His, his jacked up, messed up families that frankly didn't know God at all. They were idol worshipers. I mean, some of the Jewish history said they were actually idol makers and idol sellers and all this kind of stuff. I mean, this is the place where Abram was grown, had grown up in front of, with all of his people, right? And still had this heart for some reason for, for God. Still had favor that he was getting shown by God. How many people did not grow up in church? You, yeah, your pastor didn't either, man. I don't know how to do church, man. I'm just, we're, just, we're just all winging it, right? Right, so we, we ask questions a lot of times, like, why are we doing it that? You know, not in a bad way. We just want to know. We don't want to like fall in any traps or anything like that. We want to look at the, what the scriptures have to say and do church that way. Can I get an amen? So Abram went, as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was seventy-five years old. I already said that when he set out from Haran. I don't know how to say that either. He took his wife Sarai. His nephew Lot, all the possessions they had accumulated and the people they had acquired in Haran. And they set off for the land of Canaan. I think that's how you say that too. And they arrived there. And I want to kind of just think about something, guys. 75 years old. You know, I was talking about the, the, the folks here and we have a volunteer service for the folks that may or may not be able to be in here working in Kid City, that kind of thing. But to see Miss Leota, Miss Holland, uh, Sherry, uh, Richard, and Nancy, for, well, Sherry's not a senior yet. She don't get mad at me if she says, I ain't no senior, not here. you know. But these seniors, nothing wrong, what's wrong with being a senior, Sherry? Nothing. I didn't say anything. Nothing's wrong. <laughs> She's like, I'm not just doing slides. I don't. <laughs> but these, these are the folks that actually at, a, at a, an advanced if you will, age, made a huge sacrifice a year ago, a little over a year ago, when the church was down to seven people. You know, I know we're a little lower than that than normal today, but we have been averaging about 130 people. And what they did was they sacrificed even friendships. People walked away and said they'll never talk to them again because of what they did. They actually literally gave this church, the building, the acreage, all of it, signed it over 
to New City Church and said, we want you to do whatever you want to. This is where God is leading us. It's an amazing thing. And so a lot of people will say, I'm too old or I'm too young or I'm too, I'm too busy or I'm too this or I'm too that. And I'm looking at a- Abram. And I'm like, 75 years old? He's getting like, he's saying, hey, I need you to leave with everything you're comfortable with and go here. Man, that's, that's, that's gangster, man. Right? I mean, think about this. What he has done. How many of us are, are, are using excuses? And, and God has promised, if you do, I will. That's how he does his covenants, right? Matter of fact, we know this. So he say, if you draw near to me, what? What does he say? I'll draw near to you. That's exactly right. Draw near to God. He will draw near to you. These are, if you will, I will, right? See, blessings, and I know this is crazy because a lot of people... A lot of people have asked me about what Joel Osteen says and stuff about blessings and things like that. It says if you want to be blessed, if you want to be rich, if you want to have better health, better marriages, that kind of thing, come to know Jesus, right? And uh, I was explaining this in A Cup Above one time, uh, which is a little coffee shop in town. I was explaining this to somebody. They were asking me what I thought about, about him. And I said, well, I, mean, I think he's a brother. I think he's very off when you start talking about prosperity gospel and things like that. I mean, none of the disciples were wealthy none of the in fact his own son like something happened pretty bad and he was killed and things like that i mean even all that stuff people saying you know we that 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 guys like that will 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 say things about you know uh about to 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 make people feel good about the scriptures feel good about their lot in life and feel oh so if i want to be happier and wealthier and better and that kind of thing have a have a easier life i'll come to jesus it's not true amen see because blessings don't come necessarily in influence power rank bank account bling bling whatever you want to call it or anything like that sometimes they will sometimes god does bless us that way but that's not why we do or obey see god a blessing is god's recognition of your name and if you're filling out in the bulletin you can fill that out god's recognition of you and your name see remember when jesus was saying blessed are the poor in spirit blessed are the uh, it's, 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 you know, on the Sermon on the Mount, it's really a congratulatory term. So it's, it's, you can actually say uh, congratulations to those who are poor in spirit. C- congratulations to the meek. Congratulations to the who, those who mourn. For yours is what? The kingdom. I mean, your, 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 your place is in heaven. God's promises and our, our blessings are dependent on our what? Obedience. God's promises and our blessings are dependent upon, upon our obedience. See, obedience, blessings. In my life, I had to, you know, trust God completely in some things, man. And I've not made a, uh, a secret of some of the things that I've had to, had to deal with. My wife and I have had to deal with some, some pretty crazy stuff in the last uh, 10, 12 years financially um we had to started a rental property business i was working in, in kind of the corporate world for you know about 12 years and started a rental property business um and it was it went great you know i was able to leave the corporate job and that kind of thing i got approached by some people that were wanting to invest with me that i had actually purchased buildings from and that kind of thing and they said hey man i've got these two 
you know, uh, uh, vacant apartment buildings that I've got this guy that's going to be able to hook us up. And, you know, he said, well, they're going to cost like $250,000 to renovate. He goes, we're going to make a ton of money. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be great. It's going to be wonderful. It's going to be fun. Yeah. And what was supposed to be about, about $250,000 wound up being about $1.2 million or so. Um, actually, that's, yeah, that is maybe even a little bit more than that. We start calculating some of the other, other things that, that we had to, had to deal with. And so I, what we wound up having to do is we had to sell some properties to try to save these properties. I mean, it was just the cost overruns were out, just out of sight. You know, invested heavily into, into the buildings, heavily into those kinds of things. And this was, you know, we were still kind of making it until the real estate market crash of 2008. And you look at that crash, and, and what I didn't realize was that property values that we had went down about $600,000 overnight. And I've been praying, you know, God, bless this. God, do this. God, God, if you, if, if you want me to have this, right? And one building after another were foreclosed on as a result of the upside-down assets. Banks wouldn't renew, all kinds of stuff. You guys heard Dave Ramsey's story? I'm like, yeah, I got it. totally get it, totally get it. And so in 2010, to try to make ends meet, I started, a, started working for a roofing company. And, man, I don't know if you've ever worked on roofing or anything like that, but Check out today, 90-some-odd degrees. Yesterday, we were out in, the, out in the sweat and heat and everything all worn out. Um, what we had to do was we had to, like, put hot tar down, like steaming hot tar and, you know, torches and everything like that. It was sometimes 170, 180 degrees on the roof, and we did that. You know, I worked on that, and sometimes it was just bitterly cold. I had to come up go out there and, and work on the outside, too. And so to, what we, to, in order to pay back, people that we owed and all that kind of stuff took that job and worked it for four years until we was able to actually, you know, come on staff with, with New City. And so the interesting thing about that is as I look back on the, the trials and the troubles and the struggles and the tribulations that we went through, and my wife and I, you know, actually got closer through that time, which is weird, right? That it, it was like I could, I could almost, because of the stuff that I was going through, I could hear God more. You know, you ever felt that? Like you, you're going through crap and it's like you could, you could just hear him more. You could hear his voice. You could hear, and in 2008, and I didn't even realize it, man, but, but I remember me and Kyle and a couple other guys, um, and actually his fiancee, Michaela, we all were at Super Summer Camp in 2008 and all got called at the same exact time to different kinds of ministry. And I don't think if I had been not praying like crazy about this stuff, about all this kind of thing. And, and, and through that time, like, I, I would hear more and more of what God's call was. Man, I want you to teach. I want you to preach. I want you to, to, to be, a, be a youth pastor. And I'm, and I'm like, all these times I'm doing this, volunteer, no money, or anything like that. I'm like, God, if this is what you want me to do till I'm 95, I'm totally cool, or even beyond, right? And then he calls me to, to, to plant a church, to pastor a church, all in the middle of all this gunk that we're going through. Man, and I don't think, and I, and I praise God now for the crap that we had to go through, frankly, so that we could hear his voice, and we could be doing this today, amen? 
And so I say that, not to try to, oh man, that's, that's terrible what you went through. No, it's a beautiful, wonderful thing because if I, everything had been going great and I had been making bank and I had been doing all this great stuff and man, driving all the cars I wanted and all that kind of stuff, getting whatever houses we wanted, whatever, whatever we wanted to do, man, we could take all these vacations. Judy's like, hey, I kind of like that. That sounds pretty fun. But here's the problem. I would have been more consumed with that stuff than would be about hearing God's call. And so he had to break me down and strip me down and, 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 and tear me to the point where he could build up whatever it is. And he's still working on me, man. I mean, this is the stuff that, this is real life talk, man. I don't ever want to come up, come up on the stage and goes, man, my life is so cool. It's awesome, man. God's just giving me all kinds of blessings, right? Man, God tore me down. And he's done that to his people. It looks like kind of a pattern. And Abraham is no different. Before I get too much into Abraham, and I know we're, we're running a little bit long, but I want to, Isaiah 66 too, man, I want to talk about this. This is what, what jumped out at me a couple of, a um, few months back, man. Isaiah 66 too, you know, sometimes people will say, well, why do bad things, why did God let that happen to you, Casey? Why does God let bad things happen to good people, if you will? And, and he goes, he does that to his I mean, he does, he, t- he truly does, like, break us down in a lot of ways. And he does it for, for his glory so we can hear him. But amazingly, he also gives favor to those who have certain characteristics. He tells us plainly the kind of people he has favor to. He's like, well, you know, we were talking in, in story group the other night. Well, why does God allow some people to be born and knowing that they're going to go to hell, right? Well, that seems kind of weird, but, you know, we understand that God knows us before we're born, so if he doesn't let us be made, with, then he's like a liar and that kind of thing. If he has us in his mind, he's, you know, we're, we still have the choice to, he knows who will and who won't, right? But listen to what he says. This is the kind of person that I show his favor to, and he starts it off by saying, has not my hand made all these things? Kind of talking about creation, right? And so they came into being, or let me, let me do a Ron Burgundy question mark here. Has not my hand made all these things so they came into being, declares the Lord? These are the ones I look on with favor. Pay close attention. Those who are one, there are three characteristics, humble and contrite in spirit and who tremble at my word. Humble, contrite. Some people, uh, some translations call that submissive in spirit. They really do think of others before themselves in a great way and who tremble at my word guys i want us to say that god is telling us exactly who he has favor on so people say why does why does god have favor on noah he was the only one right his family they were the ones why does god have show favor to 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 different some people in the bible and not this is what he he gives us the outline and i want to ask us man i mean in 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 our lives, man, where are we struggling with that? Because it's kind of hard to, to know that you're humble. It's like, yeah, man, I'm, I'm humble. That's one of my best qualities, right? It's kind of, yeah, man, I'm submissive. You know, I mean, I'm, I'm pretty great, right? I mean, so it's hard, man. It's like, it's almost like, like, I, I, I don't know it, <laughs> you know, but this, but he's telling us exactly, exactly the kind of, and some people are Maybe may be humble and even submissive, but they really don't tremble at the word. Well, they may tremble at the word, but they're really kind of spiritually arrogant. We know people like that. And so I want to encourage us to say, hey, God, where in, our, where in my life do I need to 
have one of these characteristics, right? Because obedience is not what? It's not natural. Because most of us, frankly, naturally are different from, are the opposite of those. We're thinking about ourselves. We're not that humble. We're not any of that kind of, you know, we're not any of that kind of stuff. So we're not natural. It's not natural when you're going through crap to, to embrace God and have joy. Right? Amen? It's just not natural. It's not natural to, to, to thank God for the troubles and trials and struggles and tribulations because you look back on it and said, that was for my good and you had me, you had my back on this stuff. It's not natural to be thinking like that. See, what we want to do is maybe sometimes we want to say, okay, I'm going to start being obedient uh, so that I can be blessed or be obedient so I can get stuff. Be obedient because God says, if you, I will. So, uh, but we don't obey in order to be blessed. We obey because our, our identity is in God, it is in Christ, his triune nature, his, his created being in his image. This is who we are. We uh, submit to him and, and love him more and more and more and more. We get to know his word more. We get to tremble at his word more. We have more humility, more submissiveness. Amen? See, at the end of Genesis 15, God makes a covenant with Abram, soon to be Abraham, that he would be a, a, become a father of many, many people. Genesis 15, 1 through 6 says, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Do not be what? Afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your very great reward. But Abram said, Sovereign Lord, what can you give me since I remain childless and the one who will inherit my estate is Eliezer of Damascus? Um, And Abram said, You have given me no children, so a servant in my household will be my heir. And the word of the Lord came to him, this man will not be your heir, but a son who is your own flesh and blood will be your heir. He took him outside and said, look up at the sky and count the stars, and indeed you can count them. And he said to him, so shall your offspring be. Abram Abram believed Lord, and he credited it to him as righteousness. See, there's always going to be an obstacle between the present and the promise. There is, you know, it's so funny. It's like, some people say, okay, I think I hear the call of God in a certain way. So tomorrow I'm going to just start getting after it, right? And there's, all, and, and which is good to be, and be like, like getting on where God is telling you to go. That's cool. But sometimes, man, we get, we get ahead of God. And sometimes it's like, like, wow, man. It's like all of a sudden we, boom, we're not listening. We're not walking with the Holy Spirit. We just want to go, right? Well, sometimes we delay and, and sometimes we get like lag behind a little bit. And then sometimes it's just like, it's like if we're, if we're resting in that, in that, in that, what God is wanting us to do, man. Like we're in that, in that sweet spot. But there's always going to be an obstacle. There's always going to be, like, it's like, like the, the, the disciples, man. He said, go make disciples of all nations. Boom, here comes persecution, right? It's just going to happen. Because I don't want us to get discouraged in those kinds of things. But Romans 4, 1 through 5 says, What shall we say that Abraham our, Abraham, our forefather, according to the flesh, discovered in this matter? In fact, Abraham was just, if, if, if in fact, Abraham was justified by works, he had something to boast about, but not before God. What does the scripture say? Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. righteousness. Now the one who works, wage, works, wages are not credited as, as a gift but as an obligation. However, the one who does not work but trusts God to ju- who justifies the ungodly, their faith is credited as righteousness. See, we have a right standing with God, not based on, the works, uh, not based on our works, but on the work of Jesus. 
Jesus did the work for us. I mean, and it's so wild to be thinking because there's so many times even, even in the scriptures, hey, what do I got to do? Hey, what do I, man, you can't do jack, man. You can obey, right? You can believe. You can, you, you, yeah, I mean, baptism doesn't save you, but I, I mean, if you're saved, you're going to get baptized, right? I mean, that's what, that's what, that's what the scriptures say. Hey, be baptized, right? But we're going to be obedient. We're going to be submissive. We're going to be humble enough to do those kinds of things. And so, I mean, so it's just wild. We're going to walk more and more and more in favor in the step of the Lord because we're going to be submitting to him. We're going to be humble in his eyes. We're going to be trembling at his words and we're going to be obedient. Abraham and, and Sarah, as they walked along and they, they, heard, they knew these promises were coming, but they did several things to, to deceive and to, to, to protect themselves. They told the Egyptian authorities that Sarai was his sister, which is kind of weird because he actually, she actually was a half-sister, but he's like, well, since you are my half-sister, but tell everybody you're not my wife, right? And so, we, yeah, like, so they, don't, they don't take you as a wife and kill me, so they, they, did, you know, they like, weren't really relying on the protection of God. And after 10 years after, from the announcement of the covenant, they got together with Hagar, who was a, um, oh, she's one of the slave, uh, slave women of, uh, of, of the, uh, she was like a personal slave to Sarah, Sarai. And, uh, and so Sarai says, hey, it's been like 10 years. God's not showing up. Why don't you sleep with her? And then we'll have a surrogate kid from her. And Abraham's like, hey, that sounds pretty good. I mean, it's, you know, I think you're right. Right? So they do that. And then, you know, Ishmael is born. And then, you know, then, then like, like turmoil sets in. God's like, hey, look, this is not my plan. You know, all this kind of stuff. So Ishmael goes off. And, and, and like the lineage the Muslims still think that their, their line is through Ishmael today. And there's this still in the Middle East, this, this, this battle for land through Ishmael and, and what we'll no, under, come to understand, Isaac's descendants. I mean, it's just like, like it's still going on as a result of what's going on here. And in Genesis 17, 1 through 5, Abraham, Abraham was 99 years old. 99 years old. Sarah was 90. See, because the tendency... For us, as long, I mean, some of us can't wait 25 days, much less 25 years. But we don't want to get behind God. And we must not, not, we must not get ahead of him either. We can't lag behind or get ahead, uh, get ahead of him. 99 years old, 24 years after the promise. Genesis 17 says this. When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said, I am God Almighty. Walk before me faithfully and be blameless. Then I will make my covenant between me and you and will greatly increase your numbers. Abram fell face down and God said to him, as for me, this is my covenant with you. You will be a father of many nations. No longer will you be called Abram. Your name will be Abraham for I have made you a father of many nations. Guys, when God does the impossible, only he can get the credit. See, because they... A year later, God fulfills his promise with, with Isaac. Because when they had told him, they had told us, they, bought, they, bought, they both laughed. Abram and Sarah had laughed. So they named him Isaac, cause, meaning he laughs. And, in, and this, is, this is like right around, I don't know, a few years later, probably Isaac is born and, and, and fulfills the promise of God. And through Isaac, he makes a great nation. He promises to make great nation, right? And Isaac is a young man at this point. And in Genesis 22, 1 through 18, God does something that still blows our minds and, we still, and, and causes us to question the love of God as a father. 
And we're going to finish with this, this scripture here. Genesis 22, 1 through 18. It says, sometime later, God tested Abraham's faith. Abraham, God called. Yes, he replied, here I am. Take your son, your only son, yes, Isaac, whom you love so much, and go to the land of Moriah. Go and sacrifice him as a burnt offering on one of the mountains, which I will show you. The next morning, Abraham got up early. Can you imagine a sleepless night? He saddled his donkey and took two of his servants with him, along with his son Isaac. Then he chopped wood for a fire and for a burnt offering and set out for the place God had told him about. On the third day of their journey, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. Stay here with the donkey, Abraham told the servants. The boy and I will travel a little further, and we will worship there. Then we will come right back. So Abraham placed the wood for the burnt offering on Isaac's shoulders. Guys, this is a reflection of the same wood, that, or the, the same scenario, the wood that's being carried on the shoulders of our, of our Savior. One of the reasons why we think that Isaac was more of a, an adult than a child. This is not a small amount of wood. While he himself carried the fire and the knife. So two of them walked on together. Isaac turned to Abraham and said, Father, yes, my son. Abraham replied, we have the fire and the wood, the boy said, but where's the sheep for the burnt offering? Pretty good question. God will provide a sheep for the burnt offering, my son. Abraham answered, and they both walked on together. Imagine the conversations and the emotions and the things that are going on in, in Abraham's mind. Maybe the last, t- last walk, last conversation that I have with the son that I've been waiting for 120 or so years, or 100 years to have, and When they arrived at the place where God had told him to go, Abraham built an altar and arranged the wood on it. Then he tied his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Abraham picked up the knife to what? To kill his son. I know a lot of people, a lot of scholars with more degrees than a circle like to say, well, Abraham knew. Scriptures say he picked up the knife to kill his son. As a sacrifice. At that moment, the angel of the Lord called in from heaven. Abraham! Abraham! Yes, Abraham replied, here I am. Don't lay a hand on the boy, the angel said. Do not hurt him in any way. For now I know that you truly fear God. Tremble at his word. You have not withheld from me even your son, your only son. Then Abraham looked up and saw a ram caught by its horns in a thicket, and so he took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering in place of his son. Abraham named the place Yahweh Yireh. I think I got that right too. Which means the Lord will provide. To this day, people still use that name as a proverb. On the mountain of the Lord it will be provided. 
Then the angel of the Lord called again to Abraham from heaven. This is what the Lord says. Because you have obeyed me and not withheld your son, even your own son, your only son, I swear by my own name that I will certainly bless you. I will multiply your descendants beyond number like the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore. Your descendants will conquer the cities of their enemies. And through your descendants, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. Why? Say it, New City. All because you have obeyed me. It's so simple yet so hard. God loves and gives favor to those who obey him, those who are humble, those who are submissive, those who tremble at his word. And yet we want to try to analyze God and try to figure him out. And that's what he says. And to answer the question, there's always a test of the faith. But to answer the 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 objection of God. Why would God ask Abraham to, to kill his one and only son? That's ridiculous. That's a mean God. That's a horrible God. I can't believe he would actually have him do that. And these very same people will, will, will not even ask the question in their minds and in their hearts because of the, 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 the rebellion that we have sometimes. We'll sit there and, and say, how could God do that to Abraham? And we neglect to actually ask the question, why would God do that to his own son? For me. Why would he do that? Why would he do that? That makes no sense. That's the question we need to be asking. Not why would he do that to Abraham. Why did he do that for, for me? I'm not worthy. I'm jacked up, messed up naturally. I mean, we all are. It's okay, man. Submit to the Lord. Be with him, man. I mean, I mean just absolutely walk in his footsteps. I have three questions to leave us with. What are things that you have kept from giving to God? Is it a child, fathers? Right? That totally, completely belong to God. Is it a circumstance that you're in? Is it a job that you're in? Is it your marriage? Is, is it your marital status? Is it your singleness or, or, or your, your, your natural affinities for whatever it is, whether it's anything at all? Good, bad, indifferent, anything like that. Lord, what is it that you have, you have kept from God that God is saying, lay it down, let me have it, be willing to let it go, and see what happens. What is it that you have, you're holding on to? Can't answer that for you. What do you need to give him? And where do you need to trust God? Amen? Amen. Guys, I want us to be thinking more and more about what it means to be a follower of the Lord. See, I want us to be asking those questions about what it means to to lay down the crap that we're dealing with, that we're holding on to. Challenge ourselves to be the kind of people that will completely and totally give that to God. Father, we just love you. We thank you. 
We thank you for the message today. Thank you for the music today. Thank you for the words. Thank you for your word. We thank you for outlining and make things simple, simple for us, frankly. Lord, you have made them. You've stripped away all the need of anything but you in a lot of our lives. And Father, we thank you for um, being the perfect, wonderful, providing Father. And even though some of us, Lord, are, are feeling like, wow, this is heavy, wow, this is deep, wow, this is thought-provoking or, or whatever, Lord, you also are a Father that loves for us to laugh, loves for us to, to be a part of the, of the party that's going on, loves for us to, not in sin, but to truly engage a community and have a great time. Lord, may we think more highly of you than when we came here this morning and may we honor you in this week as we just live the life you've given us. It's in your son's amazing name, all, all New City Church says, amen.